You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. everyone. Got some, just some thanking to do from this weekend. We had an amazing conference. I just want to thank everybody that came and volunteered from leaders to people that came and and cleaned to ran sound, whatever you did. It went off without a hitch. It was just really incredible. I'm grateful that we get to impact our region um, with it, and so thank you for everybody that did anything that you did. Um, it's really, really appreciated. Um, sometimes people, it can be easy to take for granted the things that are not seen that are done, um, like sound or people cleaning in between sessions. If people wouldn't have cleaned in between sessions of the conference uh, or the night after on Friday, it would have been, it would have looked awful. And um, I believe in there being a, a, a level of, of professionalism that's maintained in, in what we do in the sense of, you know, we don't want to, we want it to look put together when somebody comes into a, a place, right? It's important for it to be clean. And that's, um, so those little things, I just want you to know if you're doing that, it doesn't go unnoticed by us. It really doesn't. We're grateful for it. Um, it's much needed. Uh, I was a cleaner for some time and, uh, I actually enjoy it. So, and Lindsay enjoys that I enjoy it even more than I do. <laughs> so, she'll miss you today, but she is home in bed sick. So, if you could pray for her, it would be much appreciated. It's kind of coming on, and, and she woke up this morning with no voice and, and um, stopped up ears and headache and all that junk. I don't know what's going on, but... Just believing for her healing, and I know rest was one of the things that she really needed. We had a good time this weekend, didn't we? It was great. Lots of powerful teaching from Jesse Cup and and, and Owen Wald, Sarah uh, Webster taught too. It was just, I mean, it was really dynamic. It was just a, you know, when you look at it, it was just a tapestry of just... A beautiful different pieces of, of people's revelation that give us a fuller picture of what God's doing. Well, you know, you can listen to one speaker all the time, which can be good, but if you listen to different ones that are healthy and releasing healthy truth and revelation, then it can be even better. And so that's what we're doing here is, you know, raising up powerful people who have the gift to teach and to speak in in I'd like to say that we're affording the opportunity to them, but actually we get to be the beneficiaries of what their their lifestyle is. Um, so to be able to give somebody an opportunity that has something to release to us that, that God's put on their heart, um, that the revelation that they're actually walking out in their own personal life and then releasing to us is a privilege to get to, you know, get to hear that. So it's not really much of us giving the opportunity. It's more of them stewarding the heart of God well so that the rest of us can, can then encounter through the revelation they give that particular part of the heart of God and then grow even more in our own identity. Isn't that beautiful? We're, grow, we're growing together, and that's why we're better together. It's why uh, we need one another, uh, not in the sense to where I'm more dependent on you than I am on God, but I, it, is, it is a relational thing. It's because we, we were created for relationship. Right, and that's why you know Nikki was being very transparent and vulnerable as she always is, and um, that's why she said that intimacy scared her. Well, it's the same with me. It was the same with probably if we'd all be honest, we're probably all in that same boat. Being vulnerable with our hearts can be a, a scary thing because we get hurt in a messed up and broken world. Right? Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. It's it's not. 
Nobody's exempt from it. Christians aren't exempt from bad things happening, right? It's, the, it's just like nobody's exempt from life being life. It doesn't have to be the devil. You don't have to blame him for, for everything. It's just that sometimes bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. It's just, it, say, it says in the Bible that it, it, you know, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. In layman's terms, that means that, that, good, that blessing comes to people that don't, don't seem to deserve it. And then sometimes it appears like blessing doesn't come to those that are walking in what God paid for. But if we're honest, none of us deserved it when he paid for it. So just because I became a Christian doesn't make me entitled to something that, that God paid for. Right? I never want us to go into that place of just because blessings available, available, I don't want to go into it. I don't ever want to have the mindset that I'm entitled to, to it. I want to remember that it comes through my humility of bowing down low before God. And from that place, I actually get to see him as he is and see myself as I am. Um, and and my, my blessing that I receive is all about me giving it away. I'm not saying give all your stuff away. <laughs> I'm saying that I receive to give, right? It's, it's a lifestyle. It's not about, I'm not talking about stuff. I hope you hear me. In this, it's not, I'm not talking about give stuff away. I'm talking about, you know what, it's easier to give stuff away than it is to give away your time. I'm okay with people, sometimes with people, even though I don't, I don't like it, I'm okay if you wasting my money more than I am with you wasting my time. It's the most valuable commodity that I have. I don't, I don't want my time to be wasted because I want to be able to, the, the more, the longer we're in this, I realize how valuable time is. And the, the more things that I have to do and the more people that I get the privilege of mentoring and, and spiritually fathering and, 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 and pastoring, I realize that my time must be, I have to think about and pray about where I, I invest my time. You should absolutely do the same thing with your money. Right? I'm just telling you that there's, there's a difference. It's, e it's easier to give away stuff. It's easier to give away money to, to somebody in, in need. I'll tell you that the easiest need to be met is financial. It's the easiest need, need to meet. Uh, the one that sometimes seems a, a lot more sacrificial is me spending time with that particular person, getting to know them, connecting to them, and then through that connection, that relational connection, help release to them what I've been given freely. Everything I get from Jesus is, is free. We say that it cost us something, but it, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of where I came, you know, the lifestyle I came from. It doesn't seem like it cost me anything. It seems like I gained everything. <laughs> and so I, I want to talk to you today about, um, about what it looks like to guard your own heart. <clears throat> There's this amazing scripture in Proverbs 4.23. Uh, Chapter 4 of Proverbs, verse 23 says in the Passion Translation, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. <clears throat> there's the parable of the sower in, in Mark chapter 4, and it's in, it's in other Gospels, and there's... There's different types of soil that Jesus is talking about that seed is sown on. Are you guys familiar with the parable of the sower? There's uh, the seed that goes by the wayside, which the birds come and eat. Basically, it didn't fall in any soil that could take seed, right? It wasn't somewhere that was good to plant. And then there's the seed that falls on stony ground or hard ground. And you all know that, I mean, I know you can throw seed out and it could possibly grow, but it's unlikely to grow if it's not planted down into soil that it's supposed to, it's able to grow in. And then there's the seed that's planted from, it's planted in where there's thorns and thistles and the, they grow up around the plant that actually took some root and they choke it out and so that it doesn't actually grow up to what it's supposed to be. And then the fourth type of soil is the good soil that the seed is planted on and then it actually grows up and produces, as Jesus says, a crop or produces fruit 30, 60, and 90 fold, 
right? That's the, that's the soil. If I can, I want to relate that to the soil or condition of, of the heart of, of people. Because we were created to have healthy hearts. And I believe that the next thing after knowing who Jesus is, what he did for me, knowing him personally, giving my life to him, is my heart becoming whole and it staying that way. I can't use an excuse because the world's messed up and I've been in dysfunctional relationships or around dysfunctional people or, or the lifestyle that we come from or whatever it is. I can't use that as an excuse to live as a broken mess as a Christian when I have available to me wholeness. And it won't cost me anything. I, that I, I would rather have the blessing of wholeness than I would the blessing of stuff. All right. I would rather be able to walk in a healthy heart because whatever I, I carry as a, a heart condition, if I have a healthy heart, I will then in turn produce healthy disciples. I, I will, right? That's, that's the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. And so I should be replicating myself consistently in the time that I am walking with God as a son. And I will only replicate what I am. And so if my heart is whole, I will then in turn raise up healthy sons and daughters. Know that this relates to your kids that you're currently raising up too. Know this, this relates to your spouse that you, you know, your husband or wife. Because your first ministry after ministering to the Lord, I love how Aaron opened with that. That is, that is the first and most important ministry, is to minister to Jesus. All right? And then after that becomes the spouse, and then after that becomes the, ki- the kids. Because remember the kids, they will one day be gone out of the house, and then you will be left with your spouse. If you take that time away from your spouse... While you're raising your kids and focus primarily on the kids, then when the kids are out of the house, you will be like roommates. Find out that maybe you don't have anything in common anymore because you've spent so much time focusing primarily on on the kids, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's an order of things in the kingdom, and God does it intentionally. Your kids will still get what they need. Don't... I don't think I'm not saying that. I'm saying that your first ministry after ministering to the Lord is ministering to your, to your husband or to your wife. It's just the way that God works it out. And so if I don't have a whole heart in those particular relationships or in that parenting situation or in that friendship or in that mentorship or in that counsel that I'm getting to give somebody, my, all that stuff is going to come through the condition of my, of my heart. When Lindsay and I used to, we used to, we used to argue, we used to argue a lot. First three, first three years, we're going on 10 this year. A lot of grace, a lot of mercy, and a lot of patience from her. A lot of prayers, right? So, but she would say to me, and, and I hated it, is she would say to me, I'm a reflection of you. <laughs> And I could, in turn, tell her that you're, you're a reflection of Jesus. That, that's what, and, and put that off onto him, which would be an appropriate, seemed to be an appropriate place to put it, right? But each one of us are actually supposed to be a reflection of Jesus. And if I am arising and shining, as it says in Isaiah 61, and actually being the light that you and I were created to be, that Jesus made possible for us to be, then the people that I'm in relationship will benefit from that. It will not have an adverse effect on them. And the way that I was living and the way that I was presenting Jesus to her was coming from a heart that wasn't completely whole. And so then it in turn affected her in a negative way because the junk of my life was coming out. I had poor choices that I had made, and so I'd lived in the dysfunction as an adult as the result of my behavior. And because of that, I, I didn't have the healthiest heart. And, and coming into the kingdom and giving my life to Jesus, I didn't even realize that that was something that was possible. 
I just thought that I had escaped hell by saying yes to Jesus. And in the lifestyle I was in, that was a big win. <laughs> and there were lots of other things, you know, that lifestyle that I lived that he, he set me free from. And so it was, it was all a great big win, but I didn't realize that there was, there was a lot more that he wanted to do than to give me a, eternal life on the other side of this, this life. He wanted to actually bring me into a lifestyle of wholeness so that I could replicate myself, so that I could be a representation, more importantly, of what he actually looks like, because Jesus is whole, right? He is the perfect picture of wholeness, and he was on the earth. And that's how we know that it's possible for a person to live in health and wholeness throughout the time that they're on the planet. Because Jesus is our standard. We remember that Jesus walked the earth as man, even though he was fully God. He was the, he was the son of God. He walked the earth as man, full of the Holy Spirit, in right relationship with the Father. Which gives us hope, because it shows us that if he did it, and we have him in us, then it invites us into a lifestyle that can change the world around us through the love and power that he's made available to us. This is what I propose to you, is that in Proverbs 4.23, when it says, above all, things el- above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues or the wellspring of life. That oftentimes when we hear, guard your heart, because of the life that we come from, we, in, we are already doing it, or it reinforces something that we believe we're supposed to do, and I begin to guard my heart from people that are around me or from strangers because there's still hurt in there, and I don't want to get hurt again. And I don't realize that in healthy relationship, just like in a healthy marriage, this is a perfect picture of our relationship with Jesus, is that, that I guard Lindsay's heart and she guards mine. Right? She's protecting my heart, not from other people, but through, through her actions and through her, the way that she treats me, the way that she talks to me, she is, in turn, protecting my heart. And if, she, if that's healthy relationship, then it's a reflection of the healthy relationship that we have with God. Is that Jesus now, when I come into the kingdom, it was, in, it was if you could call it wise by the world standards, to guard my heart from people when I, I was out in the world and I didn't have Jesus. I mean, that, just good, that was good sense. All right? That, that was good sense because we've all learned our lessons. Learn my lesson, won't do that again. All right? We've all probably said that about something or someone, probably more likely about someone in our lives at some point. And so when we were in the world, that made sense. But when we come into the kingdom, what we're supposed to be taught is now Jesus protects my heart and so I can let my guard down. But that only happens if I trust him. Because I'm not going to let you guard my heart if I don't trust you. Problem with that is, the problem with me guarding my own heart is that the things that are in there that he wants out, I, I won't let him get out. And it becomes also what I do is I guard my heart from the people that I'm supposed to be having my heart wide open to, which is everyone, because I'm supposed to love with my heart wide open. That's unconditional love. And you and I have received, it says in Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God. That's unconditional love. So then I have the ability to unconditionally love everyone, not by my own love, but by the grace and mercy that Jesus appropriated to my life 2,000 years ago at the cross. Sometimes when I've guarded my own heart in the kingdom, I kept in things that weren't supposed to be there. And unintentionally, I had guarded my heart from the Father, from Jesus, trying to get the things out that he wanted to get out. The unforgiveness, the the bitterness, the whatever it was. I I covered up the hurt spots so that they didn't get touched again, and then reinforced the hurt. Right? We're we're in TGI Fridays last night. We're going to get a table um, after the, the evening session, and me and like seven or eight, seven other people, six, seven other 
other people. And um, we, walk, we walk in, they can't seat us because there's a 25 top that turned into a 40 top. 40 people. If you've served, you're familiar, familiar with that. And so all their servers, it was already late. It was probably 11, 11 o'clock or close to it. And, and all their servers were waiting on this one particular group of people, and they already had some other people in the restaurant. And so the ladies are out in the hallway deliberating about where we're going to eat, and I leave the decision to them because I'm going to defer to wherever they want to eat anyway because I'm just, I just, you know, <laughs> smart, gentleman, common sense, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> not picky. <laughs> And so while they're out in the hallway deliberating, I think I'll just go ask uh, a couple of these, the host or hostesses, there's three of them standing up there, and I figure I'll ask them if they need prayer for anything, if they need prayer for a healing of pain. Of any, and so I go up and ask them, I said, do you have, any of you have physical pain, right? And they're confused by that question, and most people really are. Um, and, and that's okay. Then I get an opportunity to explain myself that we just, you know, Jesus loves you, and I just want to show you no strings attached. I'm just looking to pray for somebody who has pain in their, in their body. And then the, this, like, one of their faces lights up, and they're like, oh, I've got somebody. Because I told them, I said, just anybody in the back, I don't, in the cook, I don't, anybody, I'll, you know, I, I don't care. <laughs> and, and so, one of them, he, he goes and he goes, I've got someone in, that is hysterically crying right now. And I thought, man, he said, I think he said a, a, a lady or a woman or a girl, I don't know what he said, but I, I knew it was a woman. And I said, man, I was thinking to myself, she must be in a lot of pain if she's crying hysterically. She must have really hurt herself. I'm thinking physical pain. And so he goes back and gets this she, young lady, she looked like she couldn't have been old enough to work to me, but she, she was just this, this, this tiny little young lady, and she is like ugly face crying, sobbing uncontrollably, and immediately, you know, you're just like, wow, what is, what is going on? I say, are you, are you hurt? What, what's happened? And, and she's, I said, are you physically hurt? Where's it hurt at? And she says, no. And she's telling me this through, you know, through tears and just stuttering, trying to get it out of her mouth. She said, the 25 people that I'm waiting on have been so mean to me. <clears throat> and I've, I've served in a, you know, sit-down fast food basically is what they are, a restaurant, right? It's just above fast food. It's just you hope to get your food fast. You don't always, but you're just glad to have food. <laughs> and so I realized that, you know, the scrutiny and the criticism and all that stuff that comes with it. But it became clear to me very quickly that this hurt didn't originate from the 25 people or the party that was being mean to her. And so I felt like in that moment that Holy Spirit showed me that this pain actually originated from before. But what they said was pushing on the pain that was in her, that was already in her heart. Right? And so then we get to pray and just tell her that Jesus wants to heal her heart and and comfort her and just, you know, just show her that she's loved and appreciated uh, in a world that, that um, you have to work for, for love often and appreciation, right? And that's not what we do in the kingdom. We show people they're loved and they're appreciated and we honor them without them earning it because we didn't earn it and Jesus gave it to us. That's why we can tip the way that we do regardless of the way our server treats us how slow they bring our food out, if it's cold or not. Right? It's, it's not dependent upon their performance. It's dependent on his love. And so then I can show her or him that he loves them regardless of the way that they have treated me. All right? And so this young lady gets to encounter, gets to encounter love. She gets to encounter peace. And lots of us have been hurt before we came into the kingdom. We never let our guard down. We never let our guard down. We just continue to hold on to our heart. We take this verse as meaning that I need to protect myself. But a better translation of guard your heart is actually to be observant of what's in it. Not to protect it. But it's actually to pay attention to what's already there. 
pay attention to maintain my health on a daily basis, not by introspection, but by being aware of what Holy Spirit is saying is actually in there so that I can walk in the health and wholeness that Jesus paid for with his life. Remember, he didn't pay for us only to go to heaven. He paid for us to be whole on the planet so that more people can become whole because the responsibility falls on us. He's commissioned us. Right? When you said yes to Jesus, when I said yes to Jesus, you got commissioned, co-missioned. You and him, him and I, get to go out and show the world that he really exists and that he loves them and that he always has. So for love to flow more freely out of me, it needs to come from a place that is healthy and whole. Let me read something to you out of Matthew 18. And then I'll close. I heard that. (laughs) The first one. That's what, hey, Lindsay's not here to say it, and so somebody needed to. I laughed too when Jesse said it on on Friday night. He said, now now I'll start to close, which means nothing. (laughs) It just means that that he wants you to to know that he's thinking about closing, but it, it gives you no indication of when that will be. So in Matthew 18, I'm actually going to read this out out of uh, the New Living Translation. Matthew 18, I'm going to the the parable of the unforgiving servant, which is in verse 21 of Matthew 18. It says this, Then Peter came to him, talking about Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? <laughs> Peter's, Peter's, I mean, this must have been a situation that Peter was dealing with. Like, he's like, this guy's wronged me, you know, eight times possibly. You know, you know. Like, why do you pick seven? Because it was the number of, you know, perfection. I, I doubt it. <laughs> It, it appears to me that he was relating it to a real-life situation. So he's, he's wondering, how many times am I going to have to forgive someone? And Jesus comes back, and he says, no, not, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Why did Jesus pick 70 times seven? I, I don't know. I just know that he's Jesus, and he had to have known that it would have been impossible for somebody to wrong you that many times in a lifetime. Some of you may feel close to that with some people that you've had in your life, but it, it, I'm sure it's an exaggeration. It just may feel that way. <clears throat> verse, 20, uh, verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who, to deci- who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in that owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. People in America would be in trouble if they still had debtors prison, right? <clears throat> but, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then, he said to, then his master said, then his master, I'm sorry, was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Not put it on the shelf. Not said you're going to have to come back and pay it later. Not put him on a payment plan. He just forgave it all. What the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But this creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Every bit of mercy and love that we've received is supposed to be reciprocated to the ones that are around us. 
everybody that we'll run into for the rest of our life. Jesus told the disciples, freely as you have received, freely give. He wasn't just talking about signs, wonders, miracles, healing, people getting set free and giving their life to him. He was talking about everything that we've received. I get to, not have to. If it's ever a have to, then there's something off inside my heart. It should always be a get to. Always be a get to. It's a privilege. I've lost sight of that at times in my Christianity. I have to go meet with this person. I have to take this phone call. I have to. It becomes then I've turned it into something that is more of a problem for me. And, and people aren't our problem, people are our purpose. <clears throat> Verse 31, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, had for, who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had mercy on you? I'm sure you've got by now that Jesus is, this parable isn't just about a servant and his master, a servant and his king. This is for real time, right now. This parable he knew would be timeless truth throughout all generations. Verse 34, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let me explain to you what that means. Jesus gave us lots of examples of what it looks like to forgive. One of the greatest examples is when he hung on the cross. He'd been beaten. He'd been mocked, made fun of, spit on, slapped, punched, whipped with the cat of nine tails. Literally tears your flesh off of your body. Then they ran this crown of thorns on his head into his skull. Not knowing that all this was prophecy that had happened hundreds of years before Jesus was there. And then while he's hanging on the cross, he'd been nailed up there, not with some roofing nails, which were big enough to make me cry like a big baby, right? but something that appeared to be like railroad spikes. And they fix him to this cross, through his ankles, and it's debatable whether it's through the hands or through the wrists. But they fix him to this cross, and there he is asphyxiating. It's what happens when you're hung on a cross like that. Eventually, your muscles will give out, and you will asphyxiate. As you're in excruciating pain, and currently bleeding to death. But before you bleed to death, you will. The plan is that you would asphyxiate and die. And while he's hanging on the cross, the soldiers are still making fun of him, casting lots or throwing dice is what we would understand it as. For his garments, which was also prophesied about. And they're saying, if you are king of the Jews, then come down from there. I didn't know it wasn't the plan to come down from there yet. And in the midst of all this excruciating, agonizing pain, both internally and externally that he had went through, you may think it'd be easy to look at Jesus and say, oh, he wasn't hurt by what they said. He wasn't hurt by the rejection of all the disciples that he just spent over three years with and they all ran and bailed on him at the moment there was a sign of trouble. You may not think that he was affected by the words or by what they did to him and the way that they 
treated him. When all he did was come to show all of us, all of them, what God actually looked like. To show them that they're loved. To show them that God is more merciful than he cares about judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus was releasing pre-new covenant what the new covenant would release to all of humanity. So it may not appear like that, but it says in Isaiah 53 that he was bruised for our iniquities, right? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So he had to be, those bruises that he took were internal, not just flesh deep, but also into the soul. And so Jesus gets wounded, but shows us what it looks like to still love with your heart wide open in the midst of that. And the most important thing that he could ever demonstrate to us is that what he said while he's hanging there. He says something that still messes me up. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It appeared to me like they knew what they were doing, but they really didn't. Sometimes it appears to us like people really know what they're doing. And they don't know Jesus personally, intimately. They don't have wholeness in their life. I'm not making excuses for hurt and pain. I'm not making excuses for people. But I am saying this. Jesus' demonstration on the cross is to be our lifestyle. This Matthew 18, at the end of this, it seems harsh, right? When he says that, so my Father will also do to you if you don't forgive from your hearts, your brothers and sisters, or anyone. The servant had got locked up in prison and been tortured, was going to be tortured <clears throat> until he paid his debt. What we're talking about is the debt of forgiveness. That when you and I received forgiveness into our lives from Jesus, we received all the forgiveness that we would ever need to give away in a lifetime. I've had people tell me, I don't think that I can forgive. And I understand and sympathize and have compassion in that moment from the pain that they've been through, but also speak truth into their life and let them know that forgiveness is a choice right now. And you have the capacity and the ability. It doesn't feel like you do in your, in your emotional pain, in your heartache right now, but I guarantee you, if you'll say the words, that it will release the grace for you to actually be able to do what you're agreeing to. It's just the way Jesus works. And so what it means to be handed over by the tormentors in my limited understanding is this, is when I have unforgiveness that I continue, continue to hold on to, it's like the servant that's locked in the, in the jail cell. And the only one that has the key is me. There's no jailer. There's no warden. There's nobody keeping me in this particular cell. It's not an electronic gate like they have nowadays where they, from the tower, they, they roll it open. What, I saw it on TV. Lindsay likes prison shows, me not so much. <clears throat> it's like one of them old school prison cells where you can reach through the bars and, and the keyhole is right there. And the key is in your pocket. And the torment that we experience while we live in unforgiveness, that it's even scientifically and medically proven that it begins to affect me emotionally and begins to affect me, therefore, physically. That unforgiveness can lead to health problems. That bitterness that comes from unforgiveness can actually lead to all kinds of pain and health problems. That medical doctors say that aren't Christians, that upwards of 70 to, uh, Randy Clark says 80%, but they say 70% of the conditions that they treat are directly related to emotional pain in the soul, where our mind, will, and emotions are. For Christians, 
For people that are outside the kingdom, that can be an array of things. For Christians, I know that it can too. I just proposed to you today that it would be forgiving would be the start of the healing that we may need. Because holding unforgiveness against somebody else is only tormenting me. Sometimes I think that it's going to hurt them. Somebody said one time that it was like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else. And it's true. Romans chapter 12. Everything in the kingdom is upside down. By that, I mean it's opposite of what I normally think or what the world sees things as. That's what we, we, we give to get in the kingdom. The world gets to get more. All right, It's upside down. But in this particular instance with forgiveness, at the end of Romans 12, it says that we should be kind to everyone given the opportunity. And that what we should do with our enemies is to treat them well. If they need water, give it to them. If they need food, give it to them. If they, right? God's giving us an example of what it looks like, what he does, what he did with us. Because every one of us were enemies of the cross of Christ before we came into the kingdom. We opposed Jesus in our life. And now, we don't because of what he did. And therefore, I lose my right that I feel I have to hold unforgiveness against somebody else. I do. Am I saying you don't have a choice? No, I'm not saying that. You absolutely always have choices. You're a powerful person. You can make powerful choices. But the powerful choice to make in this situation is to forgive so that you and I can carry whole hearts and then produce healthy sons and daughters that will, in turn, reflect the heart of the Father and who He actually is to the world around us. Because this is way bigger than us. This is way bigger than us. Getting someone to say a prayer and getting them saved is just the beginning of discipleship. All right? If the world got saved today, it would not eliminate all the problems. If everybody in the world right now gave their life to Jesus, there would still be immorality and all kinds of messed up stuff because people don't know how to live kingdom principles, kingdom life. They, they don't know how. We're, we're learning these things ourselves, right? So to teach them from a healthy perspective, I'm going to need to be healthy myself. So if you would stand with me, and I really am closing now. We'll have a prayer team up here in a few minutes to, to pray with you if you have any need at all, physical, mental, emotional, anything, financial, whatever it is that you need breakthrough in, you just need prayer, you need comfort, you need peace, whatever it is. We'll, we'll have a prayer team up here in a few minutes. But before we do that, I just want to pray with you about this particular issue because I realize that this topic, I could go into any church in America and it would hit 50% of the people. It's a guarantee. Numbers in most places would be higher. Right? It's just something that we all deal with. So don't, don't condemn yourself or, or you know, feel ashamed or whatever it is because we've all carried unforgiveness at some point as Christians. But there's still people in this room that are. I just care about the condition of your heart. It's one of my responsibilities. I can't make you do anything, but I can present truth to you and afford you the opportunity in this situation and, and tell you what you are fully capable of so that you and I can walk together in healing and wholeness as sons and daughters of God who, who destroy chaos and darkness everywhere we go because that's what we were created for. So if you would... As I'm praying, I'm not going to have you pray a prayer. I know that you're, you're all adults. You can pray this prayer all, all by yourself. I'll tell you what I do when I need to forgive someone. 
is I say this, I choose. Jesus, I choose to forgive this particular person. And I release them from every debt I feel they owe me. Remember, the debt gets wiped out when I, when I forgive. So I choose to forgive them. I release them from any debt I feel they owe me. I break agreement with any bitterness, anger, or hate towards them. I let it all go. And then I pray a prayer of blessing over them like I would my own family member. And I ask the Father to bless them too. And if that feeling comes back tomorrow when you have it, forgive them again. And if it comes back later tomorrow afternoon, forgive them again. Just do it. Sometimes it's a one-time thing and it's done. Other times it becomes continual until it comes from a deep place in my heart. But I believe that as we forgive today, there's going to be some healing that happens in the heart. And that as that happens, there's going to be more wholeness, if not complete wholeness, and because it's, a, it's already there. It's already there for all of us. So as I was talking, some of you already know who you need to forgive, right? <laughs> Even preparing for a message like this, I, I, you know, you can, <laughs> you're like, okay, like this isn't just for you. Well, everything I teach is for me too. So as I pray, just, you've got the capacity, just, just do it. It's worth it. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to make moments like this possible. That you see us already as healed and whole. That you see us as, as valuable and powerful sons and daughters of God. And that you are giving us an opportunity today to live out of the wholeness that you already made available to us. And so I thank you for the grace that's come into the room right now for every person that needs to forgive, that needs to be healed in their heart from wounds that have been caused by this particular person or these people. I thank you for bitterness being let go of, hate, anger, all of that. And I thank you that as that happens, I'm just asking Holy Spirit that you would bring healing into the physical body if it needs it that you would get rid of anything that would have been attached to that particular unforgiveness, that physical symptoms would leave, that they would be completely healed in their soul and in their body as this take place, as takes place. And so I release peace upon every person right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for your presence because moments like this are made easier when we're in your presence. I thank you that you're teaching us to live a, a lifestyle of wholeness, that we get to do this, that we get to be a representation of what wholeness looks like and ultimately of what you look like. So I just bless what you're doing in the room right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you're guarding our hearts now. I pray every person that's been guarding their own hearts would let the guard down. And they'd let you guard their hearts. They'd come into a place of trusting you. That each one of us would come into that place of trust that we, we know you've got us. And if unconditionally loving somebody somehow gets us hurt again, I believe that it's worth it because we got to love that person got to show them what love looked like and we'll I hope everybody in the room is willing to go through the process of again of, of forgiving somebody if you need to I just declare over us we're not going to be a people that's afraid to love people radically and unconditionally because of what may happen we're going to love them radically and unconditionally because of what Jesus did for us and it's our appropriate response to God's marvelous mercy We'll just leave it at that. So, Father, we thank you for taking us into this deeper place of trust. Thank you. We trust you. Trust you with these little lives that you've given us. We want our little bitty life to make a great big impact. 
whether it's on one or it's on multitudes, it's always worth it. So we thank you for this right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, I know some of you are still praying, and if you've been here a few times, you know I'm not asking you to leave the place that you're in right now. I want you to stay there, especially if you're still working through something with Jesus and praying through something. Please, you don't need to go anywhere. We are going to have prayer people that are up here, prayer servants that are up here to pray for you if you have something else or that you need prayer for. Please don't leave here carrying something you're not supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. Just want you guys to know I'm grateful to be in this with you. Grateful to be in this. I can look around this room and see people that have have helped me to become, become healthy and whole and are helping me stay that way. Well... We're doing this together. I want you to know if you you feel alone, you don't have to be. You can be connected. Being connected is a choice too. Intimacy with somebody, you just got to punch fear in the face, right? I'm not going to be scared of connection. You're in a safe place. You get to be you. Well, Jesus gave me that privilege and so It just makes sense to give everybody else the same. All right? Yeah. So we love you guys. You got some prayer people that are ready? Awesome. I'm excited to see what happens when we start walking this out on a daily basis. You guys have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.